So with all of that said and considered, and you know, thank you both of you for that because that, um, like Anna mentioned that before, it was a lot to unpack, and it is. Uh, and I also, I, I think it's it's very important to to walk through these things because. Uh, well, speaking for myself, I am a pretty firm believer in approaching systems, I'll say, holistically, uh, and thinking about several different things, uh, because, you know, to, to get a little nerdy for a hot second, uh, Jack or, shit, I'm sorry, one of you mentioned <laughs> that, that humans are an organism, and for organisms to thrive in an environment, you know, they need proper nutrients, Et cetera, right? So I think, um, I, I, well, really, to get straight to it, that makes me wonder, is there such thing as a typical class structure? And, you know, use all of that in loose quotes, uh, considering what was just said, but is there such thing as that at, at Kairos? And if so, yeah. what does that look like? Yeah, I can definitely talk about that. So there are three structures that I think we need to talk about when we talk about a classic Kairos. Um, first, I'm going to break it down. We really have two types of classes um, that you might experience here. One is a personalized learning class, um, or you might hear me say interchangeably, a self-direction class. Um, the other is project-based learning. Um, I'm going to try to break down what those are, what they cover, and what they look like. Um, and then I'm going to talk about one-on-one -on -one coaching, which sort of is a foundational component of both of those, right? It helps students through both of those. So personalized learning, um, again, is all about the objective content, the right and wrong answer kind of stuff. Every subject has it. Um, this is about 30% of a student's scheduled time during the day. It's also 30% of their grade. And it is um, organized into units where a kid, let's just take math, a kid can see all the math units that are part of the seventh grade curriculum, part of the eighth grade, part of the ninth grade, they can see everything. Um, and they work through these um, playlists of material at the pace that's right for them. And they only move on from one of those when they demonstrate that they've mastered that material. So you can imagine taking the lecture portion of a class or the direct instruction portion of a class and flipping that so it's on demand for students. So we have um, interactive lecture notes and um, lecture videos. If you've ever seen Khan Academy, right? Like take that and pump it up a little bit um, and apply it to multiple subjects and you've got an okay understanding. Um, so that's what the curriculum looks like. What does that class actually look like? So um, when students start at Kairos, they'll start um, in a personalized learning class with 15 to 20 other students um, and they, uh, they will be, every student in that class will be working on something a little bit different um, based on the goals they've set with their coach, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, so that class maybe looks more like what you're used to with a study hall. And if a student um, hits a roadblock, right, the teacher's there, their peers are there to help them. Um, but slowly over time, students earn choice or agency in those classes to where you know you can do that independent work in a different space you can do it in one of our big flexible spaces you can do it in the library you can do it in the co-working space you can you can work on that um in a conference room right and so um that tends to stretch out over time and doesn't necessarily have to happen in a classroom the really important thing about that is it flips the orientation so that 
it's not, you know, maybe what we're used to from our education. It's not sit and get right. It is um, oriented around the student um, driving their own learning process there and um, being able to identify the gaps in their understanding and, and looking to fill those in. Um, so that's what personalized learning looks like. But we all know that, you know, all the objective information in the world's useless unless you can do something with it. Right. That's why we learn things. And right. so project based learning is the other 70 percent of a student's academic time. Um, it is 70 percent of their grade. And um, the purpose of project based learning is to take those foundational concepts from personalized learning. Like, do you know what an equivalent ratio is? Do you know how to calculate one, et cetera, um, and apply them to a meaningful um, creative, collaborative um, project or problem that that reflects the way that information might be used in the real world. So, an example for this ratios um, idea would be, you know, applying that to a project where you're going to design your dream home, right? You're going to do that in groups of three. Um, you're going to build a two-dimensional floor plan, um, a, a three-dimensional model. Then you're going to present that model to um, a panel of students, um, parents who are contractors, designers, engineers who know things about this um, at the end. And so for that part, yes, we're solidifying that background understanding about ratios and scale factors every time we're drawing a line on our house design, right? Because we have to calculate, okay, one inch on this design is like 10 feet in the real world. Um, but also we're working on those higher order cognitive skills. I mentioned modeling earlier. That's exactly what you're doing here. Um, it's worth noting you can model in other subjects, right? Like an outline for a paper is a model um, of a sort. Uh, it is oral presentation in this case. Um, and, um, and it's some of our more collaborative interdisciplinary cognitive skills. Um, that also happens in a class of 15 to 20 students, but it is um, a lot more teacher facilitated than the personalized learning work. So the teacher is going to um, be using the many minds in the room to build a deeper conceptual understanding, assigning out this project and giving subjective feedback on drafts or checkpoints of that project as students work through it. Um, and so that actually is the constant in our model is that at least the conceptual work there will, will always need to happen sort of in a classroom or, or under the guidance of an adult with the content knowledge there. Oh, and the, I'm sorry, the last thing I said I would talk about coaching. Mm -hmm. um, so every kid at Kairos gets a one-on-one -on -one coach who meets with them for, um, you know, for a certain period of time, um, at least, you know, two, three times a week. Um, and they, that coach has three primary responsibilities. They set individualized goals for that student to work through the, the curriculum at the pace that's right for them. Um, they uh, help identify sort of executive functioning foibles, right? What is it that gets in the way for this student? And then they teach the student concrete executive functioning skills to make up for that. So maybe it's note taking, maybe it's, um, you know, setting backwards planned goals, maybe it is chunking, um, maybe it's learning when to ask for help, etc. cetera. Uh, and then they also serve as an emotional and social support for the student um, in middle school, which is, you know, can be a tough time for students. It's good to know that there's someone who always has your back um, and that no students at Kairos are gonna fall through the cracks because there's a coach there um, to help them when they stumble. So that's a lot of words I just threw at you, but um, personalized learning, move at your own pace, more like a study hall, flipping the direct lecture, project-based learning, applying those skills to meaningful real world stuff, coaching, 
making sure you're on track in both of those, making sure you have the executive functioning skills you need to be successful in both areas. Well, that is brilliant. Uh, as... I feel like I should be taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got two former teachers here, so we should have warned you at the beginning that we'd be a little didactic. Sorry about that. <laughs> I really like the idea of the one-on-one -on -one coach, especially as you talk about in the context of a person, you know, growing and having to go through all the things that we went through in middle school um, and having a consistent kind of person to look to that is your advocate and, you know, that, that you'll always have there to help you. I think that's, that's awesome to me. I, I wish everyone had had that. <laughs> it's in our, you know, ever. Yeah. I think that's what stu stood out to me. Not, not because it's the last thing you said. Um, <laughs> and it's the freshest in my memory, I promise. But I think that that part of it, like the mentorship is something that needs to be way more prevalent and important throughout school and then throughout your career, really. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's, um, we think about building strong relationships in the building along two kind of axes. One is between students and teachers. And um, our kiddos actually rated their relationships with teachers this past year better than 99% of about the 7 million kids who take the survey we take every year. And I think it largely has to do with those one-on-one -on -one coaching relationships. But we also think about, you know, the culture of the school is sort of um, an almost like an epiphenomenon of all of these individual relationships between students, right? Um, like the best lever to pull um, to have a, a strong, supportive, loving um uh, you know, culture at the school is to have strong relationships between kids as well. And um, we have a practice that we do to support that work called Circle that we've actually, um, you know, trained under some folks at Valor Collegiate Academies, which is a, a school in Nashville. I mean, it's a, um, it's a system that was designed um, on models of group therapy for students, actually. Um, and it follows like a very, um, a very, predictable um, and consistent structure every week. Students do this in what we call their houses, which is kind of like a um, like a homeroom or an advisory. And um, it's a time where we intentionally center, um, you know, connection between students. We students ask for support about hard things that are going on in their life. They um, appreciate each other um, directly and they do it um, in language that I think most adults would struggle to muster um, you know, in support of other folks or to express their, their feelings or their, um, their care for their classmates in ways, again, that I think most adults struggle to do. And that is um, more on that sort of emotional um, or identitarian um, uh, spectrum of social emotional skills. And that's something that I think is as important as everything else we've talked about here today. Just as you're talking about, like, the importance of you know, this emotional, you know, evolving this emotional intelligence, evolving critical thinking skills, kind of pushing past just thinking about the lecture and all of that. It, you know, when you're talking about the circles, it's making me think of magic circles. I think that's what they were called. And just like, 
the um, like, and they were a little bit different, obviously, but it felt very similar in the sense that that was when you talked about problems, that was when you kind of faced conflicts, and when you shared concerns, and and when everyone was there to listen, and the way in which that was structured, and the way in which we were taught how to communicate. Um, as I've become an adult, has I think always resonated with me, and I think has affected my ability to communicate and my ability to talk to people in a way that is both helpful, but can be critical when it needs to be and is insightful and empathetic. And just the, the way that the, there was some, there was a level of what felt like individualized, um, you know, it, it kind of depended on the teacher, but like, you know, there, there were teachers that spent a lot of extra time with certain students or that really, you know, you really felt like you had relationships with, um, and just the way in which they kind of exposed you to different ways of learning. And, and it wasn't, you have to learn this way. You have to learn that way. It was, you might be, well, you might be more of a kinesthetic learner. You might be more of a spatial learner. You might be this or that. And it's obviously very different. Um, but there are some points of it that it feels like I didn't realize it until probably after college, <laughs> of like, oh, this actually helped me be an adult. <laughs> and it's lessons that were dormant for a long time, probably, at least in my head, that have now kind of resurfaced and have made me think about like the way in which that education felt very different than, um, you know, what I hear from most of my, my friends on what their education was. Yeah. And to make it totally like clear on this point, there are definitely um, schools doing incredible work around all of these different skill sets. And, you know, we um, there are schools across the country that are doing really innovative work around these different capacities. And we are trying to put them all into a single organism here as a school, right? And then to innovate around 10% of this, which is around how students earn increased autonomy over time within our building to practice the kind of choices and decisions they'll face in, in college and in an information age economy, right? So that is where there are people working on this same problem that we are, but we're definitely stealing best practices, you know, um, from folks around the country. I would say that we also do this additional kind of circle that's a little different that focuses on, um, it's, you know, it doesn't come up only when there's an issue. It's something we do every week. Um, and it's something that we try to build a sort of ground level of emotional connection and support and relationships within the building. Um, just to just to kind of distinguish that component like a little bit from what we saw, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, I sort of, I mean, one thing you just mentioned was this idea that um, when you got to college and after you look, you you saw the value of how those skills transferred, and I think that's exactly that's the core of what we're trying to do here. Is um, if kids, everyone's different, and there's an assumption I think in the traditional school model which treats everyone the same because they're all in the same material at the same time in the same order. Um, everyone's different, and that means everyone learns differently and a more more valuable than any particular skill we could teach kids or any content knowledge is teaching kids um, to look like to learn how they learn uh, and giving them the skills to learn independently because then they can go off and learn anything they want for the rest of their life um, and so this idea of I mean this is going back to the mission empowering students to direct their own life and learning it's not about us uh, I mean obviously we have like you can't learn how to learn unless you're practicing learning with certain materials. We try to give them high quality content. We um, want to make sure they're prepared to tackle whatever comes out um, after college and after, sorry, after tariffs. Um, and that means like you need to know your multiplication tables. You need to know what a chromosome is. Um, you should 
have read some great novels. But uh, but really, we need kids uh, having practice with that that high quality rich material to leave being able to navigate the world independently um, and continue to, to direct their life in the way that they choose. And so that's that's really the core skill that I think you're touching on, and that's that's the the core of what we're trying to build here. I think I've returned a few times as you all have uh you know gone gone through your what what jack calls didactics what i call you know listening shesh because session uh because like uh, and i'm doing my best to just like reel it back because i could truly talk about this specific topic for a very long time right which is you know partially in, in fact, entirely why we're talking to you all in the first place. Uh, but, you know, I digress. Uh, but I've, I've returned several times to the, uh, I guess, old proverb, teach, teach a man to fish, teach a person to fish, right? And uh, Gavin, just thinking about how you mentioned and really put a fine point on how everyone's different and how everyone learns different. I'm wondering... First and foremost, you know, again, if it's not clear, it's, I think this is brilliant. Uh, I also, in addition to that, keep going back to, okay, so obviously we've all, I, I had the pleasure of going to, uh, you know, public schools here in St. Louis. Uh, and this, this structure, honestly, would have been a dream for me because I consider myself like, a pretty horrible student in a few ways like my gpa was solid and all that good stuff but i just didn't enjoy like the learning experience most of the time uh but i'm also like fairly adaptable just considering my background and you know just general interest in problem solving right but i'm wondering as well have you all encountered any challenges with that uh because you know a, a lot of i'm sure like staff and folks like in fact well, we'll we'll skip to the to this fun fact later. But um, I'm I'm wondering, have you all had any challenges with that? Just considering that, you know, a lot of staff even may have come from a different type of uh, educational background. I'm wondering, has there been any, any adjustments or struggling in in training folks to teach that way and instruct that way and uh, I hope this I hope this question makes sense at all. Just like hundred percent, hundred percent. You talk about challenges, like the whole thing is a challenge. The I think don't don't let um, the glossy vision like fool you that this is either uh, done or like this is what Kairos looks like today, um, sure. or that it's easy, or that it's it's uh, it's working perfectly. Um, Kairos is very much a work in progress, uh, and you know, every time we try to do something new, which is a lot of the time, there are all sorts of bumps. Um, some of them we saw coming. Uh, a lot of the time it's stuff we hadn't even thought of that that's um, creating uh, a, like a, a new problem to solve. And so, yeah, this entire, this entire journey, the last four years that Jack mentioned um, has been uh, one, like, you know, we know at the end of the day, we know the, the goal has always been crystal clear. We need to get kids to a point where they um, can navigate their own life, where they can 
uh, learn independently. Um, and that doesn't mean there's no teacher. That means like that they are leveraging teachers for their goals, um, just like you do in college of professors. Uh, to get there, we needed to, uh, like there's a reason that hasn't always been done. Um, we talked about some of them with the industrial era structure. Some of it's logistical, like, you know, the idea of giving kids um, autonomy of movement within a building, it's a lot easier to control. It's a lot better, let me take a step back. It's a lot easier to, um, to organize logistics and operations around uh, scheduling, safety, student learning, um, movement, inventory resources, all that stuff when you're controlling people and kids. And mm -hmm. the ultimate, you know, traditional classroom is the ultimate sign of control. It's about putting kids in rows, telling them where to sit and where they're going to be and what they're going to work on all the time. Um, we're trying to get kids to an end point where they've learned just as much, if not more than you would in that model, but also that they have the skills to do that on their own, because as soon as they leave our environment, they're going to, they're going to have to do that on their own. Um, and so as you give kids more choice and freedom, which, which we're doing, um, it introduces all kinds of logistical complexity. Uh, at the same time, what you're touching on here is uh, mindset shifts. And so that's about both with our parents, with our kids, and with um, our teachers. So for teachers, let's start there. You know, you go to a teacher and you're like, hey, how do you, what about empowering a kid to, um, to uh, manage their own time and develop executive functioning skills and work independently in conference rooms and schedule their own meetings? Everyone's like, yeah, that's great. That's great. Let's do it. You know, they're all gung ho because in theory it sounds so nice. And then as soon as you're like, I'm going to let that kid walk out of your room and um, maybe make a mistake, right? Maybe not use their time super effectively today because they need to make that mistake in order to reflect on it and work with a coach um, to, mm -hmm. to get better tomorrow, right? In the mm -hmm. same way that adults learn from mistakes. As soon as you say that, then teachers like, whoa, like I don't want to. I see a kid not maximizing every minute of his, his or her day. Um, that's scary. Mm -hmm. And letting kids, giving kids the space to make those mistakes and learn from them. is a hundred percent of mindset shift. Um, and how do you make sure like teaching, uh, you know, we don't teach executive functioning skills in most traditional classrooms. And so making sure that our teachers know we're not just teaching content. Here's the actual set of executive functioning skills, whether it's note taking, whether it's, um, uh, what we call perspective taking where like you are um, making sure you understand how the people around you are perceiving uh, your, your actions and behavior. Um, all these kind of the, the whole array of them, uh, we want to, we need to make sure that staff are intentionally teaching those two, not just um, where the comma should go in the sentence. And so that's a different mindset shift. So one is about like teachers believe in, all of our team buys into this vision, um, figuring out how to do it effectively. And then also making sure people are comfortable doing that has been a big step. Same thing with kids who are like, when you give them choice, they're like, I've never had any freedom or independence. I don't know how to handle this. Um, instead of making sure that they, they face that alone in college, we're making sure that they face that here incrementally with an adult there. But like, that's a mindset shift for them and then for parents too, um, who, obviously come here because they believe in this vision, what they want for their kids, but um, have a hard time understanding personalized learning. Like, what do you mean the deadline isn't Friday for the project? Like they can turn the project at any time. I don't understand, like, is he going to get late points? And we're like, no, in, in the real world, 
you don't get points taken off for turning something late, right? right. You have to, there are other consequences. Yeah, and I would add to that, that especially with, with um, students adapting, I think students almost pick up on this stuff faster than most of the adults do because it, it, it makes inherent sense that you shouldn't move on from something until you really understand it, right? Um, and that's what personalized learning is about. Um, it, it makes inherent sense that, you, you know, and it's sort of good parenting 101, that you should be trusted with the amount of responsibility and choice um, and decision-making powers that you can demonstrate you're ready to handle well and it also makes sense that you should be able to learn from your mistakes. Um, I think it's when adults um, try to preempt that learning that it gets most difficult, right? So we find that kids actually adapt to this stuff almost faster than the adults do, which is kind of interesting sidebar. Yeah. Yeah, and I will, I don't even know how to say this without sounding, you know, a little too conspiratorial, right? But, uh, I'd have to surmise that it's probably due to, you know, that industrial way of learning, right? Our, our needing to put things in order because that's how it was, subconsciously rather, that's how it might've been done for us, right? And that's, you know, what's <laughs> created the, 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 I don't know if I want to say cycle or linear way of thinking, ironically, but, um, or perhaps I should say this cycle of linear thinking that we've all tended to have, which has sort of gotten us to where we are. Uh, but, you know, again, pardon me if I start to ramble on because this really is something. And that that's what's drawn me to to Kairos. Like I've um, like I heard about you all initially just walking. We moved into a new house last year Uh and, you know, just walking around the neighborhood, I've seen maybe, well, a, a nice handful. We won't, we, put, we won't put a number to it, but a nice handful of Kairos yard signs. And I'd like read the, the tagline each time. It's got like, like personalized learning, public schools where students make their, direct their own lives and learning. It's like, huh, it's, it's, I think practical, right? So I, I, we don't ask that question necessarily to uh, pick on pick on any shortcomings, uh, but more so to to demonstrate. I think, and Anna, correct me if I'm wrong, but to demonstrate how important it is to consider, you know, new systems, especially you know, if we look at the societal context and behaviors of today, where things are shifting right to some degree and where a lot of us are looking to determine how to shift things i think it's actually super important to you know like you all mentioned about your students you know acknowledge mistakes made and reflect and think about you know alternative routes